15 years ago won't buy much of anything here today. And why the millennial generation is starting to give up because they can't afford to get a, a, a good job or own a house. Eight million Venezuelans voting uh, for this assembly saying it's actually less than three. It is. And people are going to start rioting in the streets. Was reported to have asked Putin for military support that would help him stay in power. We will make America safe again. And yes, together, we will make America great again. And they ignore him. Eight more years goes by till Bernie himself finally admits to his sons, hey, I've been running a Ponzi scheme. Does its dominance mean it can use the alliance for its own ends? Since 1981, bond yields, also known as coupon rates, have just gone down and down and down. Federal Reserve note will be your biggest financial liability. RTD Live Talk, we're live. How's everybody doing this Monday evening? Uh, getting started a little bit late due to just a change in schedule. And so uh, we're here, though. And so I couldn't help but uh, <laughs> tweak a little bit of an article. Uh, as you guys can tell, uh, U.S. economy won bad recession away from negative interest rates. So I had to throw that in there just because I, I couldn't resist. I couldn't help myself. But anyway, welcome to the live stream this evening. I appreciate everybody hanging out with us uh, the 14th day of the month of October. My name is Mike, the host of RTD Live Talk, Detroit's number one late night YouTube talk show. And we're here, so it won't be on long, but just wanted to check in. It's been a while uh, since I've actually had the live stream going. So here we are. But with that being the case, for everyone that's tuning in, I appreciate you uh, watching. Let me know if, where you're watching from in the chat. And there's a number above my head, 313 Four six two zero zero two seven. Would love to acknowledge your presence or just give me a call. And as always, you know, it's, it's, it's no talk show without somebody to talk to. So feel free to call in and let your voice be heard. And whatever else you guys want to talk about, feel free to do so. We can get it going. So we got Spirit King. We got Vu Tran Tam there. Hello. Low blood pressure. We got Abdul. Uh, we got uh, Sean. From uh, Lake Arrowhead, California, we got Ace One, we got Hernan, we got East Christian, we got Primetime, Jamaica, how you doing, my friend? We got Professor Curtis, and so we got E. Christian from Cleveland. Uh, appreciate everybody for hanging out. Uh, so M says, Mike, how long until the big crash? Man, like I've always said before, um, I, I think it's going to be a steady and continuous, um, I want to say crash, because it, it could all come to a halt at one time, but yet I'm starting to see more and more things that let me know that they're attempting their best to control the demolition of the global economy. So if that been the case, they might be able to pull off some type of soft landing. Uh, that's what their that's what their goal is, but we'll see. But uh, I have uh, some thoughts I want to share about the trade deal and how I believe that this whole trade deal narrative has a lot to do with... Uh, restructuring of global powers and so i'll share some thoughts on that because it's starting to really play out to be uh something that is very suspicious because in my opinion there can be no ideal trade deal made when you have two different world powers each serve a different purpose each one has a unique perspective on uh the monetary system so it's one thing that i don't really I'm not too confident that this is uh, 
really turned out to be a, a hunt for a ideal deal to be made. So, but we'll get to that. Uh, Kenneth, how you doing, my friend? We got Goldfinger from Tampa. Final was able to catch you. Lennox, I appreciate you. Getting started a little bit late, so I won't be on too long. We got Chester from Ecuador. How you doing? Um, Ecuador. Got a lot of activity down in Ecuador, down in Quito. Looks like the protests and rioting and Daniel Morales shutting down the streets down there. Let me know what's happening down in uh, Ecuador. I'm curious to find out what the real story is. We got the mainstream narrative and then we got the behind the scenes narrative. So definitely love to hear your thoughts. Bitcoin Black says, what do you think about Black Bank of America's 17000 grant for the first time home buyer seems like a trap? Dang, okay. I wasn't even aware of that one. Let me look up. Let me look that up. But definitely, when you got a bank, when you got a bank willing to uh, extend a loan of this nature, it's definitely a booby trap. And so, actually, let me pull this article up here because I'm curious to find out more myself. So I appreciate you bringing this to our attention. So we got the from the Mercury News says Bank of America offers seventeen thousand five hundred grants for would be home buyers. Yeah, banks don't give away nothing for free without them uh, wanting to do something on the back end. And unfortunately, that article disappeared on me. Let me go back and see if I can find something else to read up on a little bit more. Uh, what else we got here? Here's one from PE. We got the housing wire. And so let me see here. What is this about? Uh, it says a down payment grant program will provide as much as 17000 buyers who can make monthly mortgage. Man, all these damn ads. I don't want to subscribe. Man, that's okay, so everything looks like it's a subscription base. I just want to read. <laughs> it says, uh, the down payment assistant is expected to... Expect well, it looks like uh, because everything is a bought and paid for advertisement, I might not be able to read more about it. But, some type of grant to buy a home, first-time home buyers. It's a, it's a booby trap. Because 10000 is a small amount in comparison to the overinflated price of housings now especially in the the median range of houses i think it's closer to almost two hundred thousand dollars right now so uh getting seventeen thousand out of two hundred thousand does isn't really going to go too far to help you out and i wonder is uh what type of restrictions or whatever it says eligible borrowers much as ten thousand bank of america has expanded its america home grant program though which the bank will offer a lender credit a lender credit of up to 7500 can be used towards non-recurring closing costs. Yeah, that's basically, they're trying to just front all your upfront costs. Yeah, they're just trying to suck you to get into a house. So that's basically uh, one of those advertisements of similar to, you know, buy one, get one free. Really, it's sucking you in on the idea that you can get a second one for free. Knowing dang well it's priced into the actual uh, cost of the phone overall or the long-term trap. Of them, they're definitely going to get paid at the end of the day on that one. So, yeah, that's a pure 100% booby trap to me. And it's geared towards the first time home buyers, which happen to, will more than likely happen to be those cash strapped student loan um, uh, uh, college graduates that's probably <laughs> incentivized to get out of mommy and daddy's home. So, uh, yeah, that's interesting, man. Very interesting. Appreciate you for sharing that. It's all over down here. Where we at? It says IMF demands off the table loan canceled. So we talking about in uh, Ecuador. Is that, are we talking about Ecuador? That's what we're referring to. Let me know. Reggie Moss says I enjoyed the chat with Crypto Blood. Keep up the good work. I appreciate it, my friend. Yeah, and, and so just you know that that was uh, in response to the 
uh, confessions of a Bitcoin skeptic that I did last week. And so I have, you know, a lot more thoughts that I'm going to share because the more I question the mainstream narrative, the more things I want to put out there just for people to consider because most of the things you hear about mainstream news, especially is all geared towards adoption and the push for adoption and the excitement around adoption. And so that's all the pros. What about the cons? Like how come there's no YouTubers out here focusing on the cons? Because everything that's being positioned in front of us at this current point in time is not by accident. And whoever that Satoshi Nakamoto person is, wasn't thinking about freeing the people when that, you know, algorithm and protocol was finally released and uh and then what we're using now so just my little two cents there but spirit king has a question uh it says paypal visa mascara etc all left the libra the day before their official meeting libra is death uh yeah and so like i mentioned to uh crypto blood in that video about just throw out some possible scenarios of what this libra really meant and initially and so I would imagine Facebook, if they were thinking, if they if this wasn't a whole setup in the first place, just an offering a centralized currency through a social media platform, Libra could have literally just been throwing out something. And the question would be, do they really have all the background protocol, all the things and all the bells and whistles needed to actually pull this off? Because they announced it in it became public May, June, and then here we are, September, you know, four or five months later. You know, how long have they been working on it would be a question. And then on top of that, would they really be able to roll it out to meet regulators' demands? Not likely. So I believe this whole Libra situation is a public display of uh, of what the government uh, is going to put governments on their heels because they're basically now going to have to they're going to be forced to have to respond to the demands of a stable coin. So there there's an article out here about the IMF questioning uh governments, I think governments and banks offering stable coins now because it's going to disrupt and destabilize the financial financial stability basically disrupt, you know, fiat currencies. And so I think this is a way for the government to say, "Hey, we don't want Libra or Facebook to control have all this control. So now we need to speed this up." And don't be surprised if the U.S. Treasury, Federal Reserve, or whatever, behind the scenes, actually link up with Libra to make it a legitimate, you know, establishment. And simply just by validating Libra and Facebook as a uh, acceptable and regulated and meeting all the banking standards and all the things that they were uh, getting on their case about, the government and the central bank can easily, with the sign of a pen, validate libra and be a part of that and they actually hell the federal reserve can actually probably hold a couple master nodes in the in the, in, the, in, the, in the, so watch this there's 12 federal reserve banks why not this is not a good idea but why not to decentralize it the same way that you know so-called the federal reserve is decentralized why not give each of the 12 central banks a master node themselves and so i imagine when stuff hits the fan the government might be more than willing to sign off on that. And then, hell, U.S. Treasury could hold a master node and whoever else, you know, they, whatever. So that's just all types of things that worthy of throwing out there because you, you never know. This is all one big setup uh, along with this whole trade deal situation. There is no trade deal, people. And so I was thinking about that today, <clears throat> especially, I guess it was Thursday, Friday, 
they met the China Chinese delegates and U.S. met and they came to some type of possible agreement. Mark, the markets reacted to it. Social media was blowing up saying that we have a deal, a phase one deal. Then all of a sudden, four, 72 hours later, they want to sit down and rethink some things or they want to further discuss, which <laughs> to me lets me know that there was nothing solid or they figure that, hey, we got, we've come this far in establishing some foundational pieces. Let's see if we can add one or two more things on top of it. And so what I believe this trade deal will result in and what it's all about, ultimately, it's a, it's a way of strategically trying to usher in and to minimize the, the current global power that the United States of America has over the world, along with our national currency, all while spinning it off of trade and things that are complete, are, which are quite obvious of imbalances in economies because of the deficit we run and the surplus they have with trade. And so definitely right now, this seems like something that can be utilized to behind the scenes, usher in and minimize the U.S. role eventually um, out of the global monetary system. And the reason I say that is because if you Google Shanghai futures, gold futures at that, the Shanghai Futures is something that uh, is becoming very uh, prominent in a variety of countries. So more countries now are signing on to allowing the Shanghai Gold Futures Exchange, which is the which I looked up is the biggest gold is the biggest physical gold bullion exchange, I guess, on the planet. And so they're spread. So from China with this gold Shanghai Futures, they're spreading their roots into other countries and just as of today october 14th on the same day that supposedly uh there was a breakup of the phase one deal we have this uh, the launching of a shanghai gold futures operated on the comex and so it's one of those things where if we are really in a dispute with intellectual property rights and all the other things that we they've been thrown thrown at us Excuse me. Why will we then allow them into our economy with the very lifeline of the monetary system, which happens to be gold, and give them the opportunity to, to, to have two different types of entities listed on the COMEX? And so one of them is settled in USD and the other one is settled in the renminbi. And it's what's curious. What I'm, what's interesting is that the Shanghai Gold Futures is settled in dollars and it's in um I want to say the contracts I saw some about uh, it's 100 ounce 100 ounce gold futures contracts but then the Shanghai gold futures is done in grams and so I found that to be very interesting and so it's one of the things I haven't really looked into much but it's one it's very suspicious that this has not been advertised on the mainstream news all we've been given is a trade deal situation and it's not likely that a, a country that's supposed to be disputing and disputing and going back and forth on trying to come up with the best deal that the U.S. Treasury and the President uh, Trump would allow China directly into the, the lifeline of our economy with setting up these futures on gold. And we know out west, the Shanghai Gold Futures only deal with physical. So they don't mess around with paper like that over there. 
But over here, we are paper, not we, but they are all paper. And so clearly, I would imagine China don't really want to play the paper game that the East is playing. So what that lets me know is that the U.S. is probably saying, hey, we'll let you into our economy, let you set up the futures, we'll let you uh, facilitate some of that in the yuan or whatever, because I know you're trying to spread your roots. And so why would they allow them to use gold? Especially, we don't really even mention gold on this side of the planet, but yet they're letting China come in and have access to the futures markets and setting the price of gold or whatnot and all that other stuff. So when I saw this and I, and I put all that together, there is no trade deal up top. That's all smoke and mirrors. What's happening under the scenes is things like this, where China is spreading their roots. They're setting up the foundational pieces, I believe, for what will probably end up being the transition of power. Because when it comes to setting the benchmark price for gold, if we're but we're low key given the power, it seems like to China to do so, and so this allows them to buy more time to accumulate more physical eventually, so that I guess when everything is set, they can then determine the true fair price, and at that point, whoever holds the most gold calls all the shots. So this is what's happening in my opinion with this trade deal. It's all just smoke and mirrors because under the scenes, it's all about this physical weight here. So um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. Feel free to let me know your thoughts. And then actually, I can't get away from the primary subject matter for this evening, how we have former Treasury Secretary uh, Larry Summers coming out with, not it's not even a revelation, it's like, duh, like when the next recession come, hell, we're already at ZERP, we're already at NERP, we're already near that, so how, that's not a surprise, but I wonder what made him say that, actually. So we will see. Uh, what else we got here? It says, come on, last week Trump called China the enemy this week. Great leader. How can people think there's a plan? <laughs> Spirit, good point. Very good point. Very good point. All right, so let me, um, I want to get to the primary subject matter of this evening. And so this is an article, as you guys can tell, from the, um, let me, let me open it up. Somebody attempted to call. Give me a call back and I'll definitely get you on here. So, um, yeah, so this article here, I came across this. I'm like, man, I definitely got to share this because on one part, you would think this is this subject matter. The U.S. economy is just one bad recession away from zero rates or worse. You would think that, OK, it's some type of revelation. But really, it's not revelation because where else will a recession take us? It's, you know, <laughs> there's no choice but to go to zero because we're already, you know, two points above zero now. And then... <laughs> Most of the world is already in negative territory, so it's pretty likely that we're going to follow. So here's this arc I wanted to share with you guys. And uh, let me see. It looks like I'm, I'm missing a call here. I apologize. I'll try to answer it when you call it back. And so Larry Summers says, without major change in the U.S., Summers predicts. So, like, is this guy really like a genius that he's predicting? There's a little chance of the Fed policy. Let me, uh, okay, what I'm going to do is. I'm going to try to, I'm going to give you a call back. How about, oops, I can't do that because I'm missing a call here. So I'm going to try to give you a call back and see if it let me. Yeah. So for whatever reason, not sure why, but, uh, having some issues with the telephone. So forgive me. I definitely want to try to get you on here. Let me see if it lets me. Yeah. So. I'm not sure what's up with that. So apologize. May not be able to get the phone call phone call going, so forgive me. But uh just let me know in the chat. 
little kinks happen every now and then. But it says the European Central Bank and Bank of Japan first went into negative rates in 2014, 2016. So once again, how can we not follow eventually? And so it's quoted saying, I fear that what we're heading into in the U.S. warns the former Federal Treasury uh, Secretary. So exactly what is he referring to? What does he know? Because everybody can kind of tell that things are already crumbling. Growth is slowing down. People aren't borrowing. People are cash strapped. Duh. Like, you know, I don't think it takes a genius or someone of this caliber, a former insider or a current insider to really tell us what's happening. So I thought this was interesting because this is not surprising whatsoever. But what is surprising is that CNBC continues. And so MSNBC, CNBC, and Fox News, they continue to promote this doom and gloom type news and i i believe this has definitely been it's been approved by the owners of all these media outlets as a way of saying keeping people attention on this as well as trying to, to thwart president trump's tweet on how strong the economy is as if like you know you really can believe that either so i thought this was definitely something worth sharing <laughs> and of course we got more tweets down here so here's a tweet from this is an older one, so this is September 11. So yeah, so I'll put this out there if you guys want to read more of it. But I just thought it was funny, and it's not a funny subject matter, but just funny who it came from as someone who was a part of all this stuff. How it went down anyway. So, but yeah, let's check in with the chat. I apologize for the phone line for whatever reason. I'm not sure why. Let me try to exit out some things and hopefully see if it'll work because it's real unfortunate that I do want to. Here's somebody's voice. Let me see if I can try it again. Let's see what we can do here. All right, so we got a call. Let's see. It's kind of loud. Hello? Hello, how you doing? This is RTD. <laughs> hey, hey, Mike, it's low blood pressure. Hello. I called you. I can't believe you called me back. Yeah, man, I, I apologize. I for whatever reason it wasn't working correctly. So, well, but we're on here. So, how you doing, my friend? Good. good. How you doing tonight? I'm doing. I was good. gonna tell you, you have like a British answering machine, like a British lady. You got, you got a British wine? Is that what I want? A British? Yeah, it was a British answering machine, but it was a lady. Uh, on, on this, oh, this is no. So this is this is a pre-populated Skype. It's a pre-populated Skype. Uh, <laughs> Um, oh, that's what it was. <laughs> it said like you're busy, you know, like you're unavailable. It was a British lady. Oh yeah, no, so no, no British lady. <laughs> I gotta check that. That's out. crazy. <laughs> but no, what's crazy. going on, my friend? Okay, uh, all right, Mike. I wanted to tell you. Um, okay, we we got these new Shanghai Gold Futures Market a paper contract. Yeah. Everybody says it's delivered in gold, delivered in gold. But you can't take one one gram of gold out of out of uh, out of China. How are you going to take delivery on that? What's going to happen? Yeah, so the question would be on the on the gold futures that's done here in the U.S. And so the Com Comex will be, I guess, overseeing this, running this, or however it's going to play out. And this is all just paper to my knowledge. So there's nothing physical on this side, according to what I'm reading here. So I'm wondering why is China participating in something that's not physical on this side of the globe, if that is the case. So... Don't know, but we're going to find out. But you don't hear about this nowhere else apart from alternative media. So um, I think this is definitely something they want to keep on the hush. 
I don't know. I think I think more paper means you know the price is just going to be manipulated even more and more. I, now you got now not only all the dollars to manipulate. Now you got Remimbi that could be manipulating. You know, and you know how many of those are out there. Yeah, I think ultimately this is a way, as I mentioned earlier, of transferring power. Like, so I really believe a part of this trade deal is basically saying that. You know, instead of like this thing coming to a complete halt, like this is like well, what's currently going on now to me is the, probably the biggest transfer of power. So out of the out of the out of the hands of the Eastern Hemisphere, the G7 type nations into the holders of gold, which happens to be some of the BRIC nations. And so I think that the BRICs, we haven't heard much about that, but the Brazil, Russia, India, China and South Africa, they're still heavily rich in natural resources and wealth. And they're not as debt laden as the other G7 nations, for the most part. So I think all this gold accumulation is literally set up and designed to still continue to build infrastructure for the One Belt, One Road initiative, which will be the economic uh, hub of the world. And then the BRICS and whatever they choose to do will be the financiers of all that. So uh, all this gold talk lets me know that this is a part of whatever is coming. And it looks like we're cooperating and helping them peacefully take power or keep the dollar going still because all they had to do is cancel a dollar or come out with some type of anti-dollar petrodollar policy which would then bring all this to an end so i think low-key with this trade deal is playing it's a part of playing the narrative of transferring a power from east to west or west to east yeah west to east yes so i think this is all by design of course so mike you think it's time to start learning mandarin or what uh, yeah, if it's something that, uh, it's not easy, but if, it, if it's definitely something that will be helpful in the days ahead, because I think next decade and beyond, you know, we, a lot of, a lot of, uh, businesses will probably be set up here to where the employers will be from that part of the, part of the world calling shots here. So, um, that's, that's probably part of the rebuilding process of the shift from power east to west or whatever. And when, when, when things say made in the USA again, is going to say that because we're shipping it to China, and then they're going to be enjoying the expansion and the credit and all the all the things we're experiencing now. It's going to be just shipped over there. That's all. So people will have jobs and stuff like that, but they're going to be getting paid a lot less uh, than what they're getting paid now in the manufacturing realm, anyway. So yeah, well, yeah. at least the food will be good, Mike. Right? <laughs> Hopefully, if it, I mean, we might have some genetically modified, all types of genetically, so it may not be healthy food at the end of the day. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I like Chinese food. Yeah. All right, Mike. All right, my friend. Appreciate your call. Or, yeah, thanks for answering right, my call. Have a good night. All right. All right, bye. <laughs> bye. Oh, man, good one. <laughs> so, yeah, that was different. Different. I gave uh, gave him a call back. Anyway, let's keep it moving right away. So, as always, as I mentioned, it won't be on long, but just wanted to share my thoughts. And let me check in with the chat and see what's going on. But I definitely found our article to be very interesting. And so what else we got going on here? Let me get caught up. It says uh, executive order. Ooh, excuse me. Executive order 1372, page 194. Now, what is that about? Let me check that out. I'm curious to find out about executive order 13772. Let me see here. What is this about? Executive order signed by U.S. President Donald Trump of February 2013. The eighth executive action by the president during his first 100 days in office it establishes the core principles of regulation of the Trump administration. Tasks the United States Treasury and the financial services. Dodd Frank. Okay, that's pretty long. Okay, so that's a lot of activity here. 
this is very long. Uh, do me a favor, break it down for me. Let me know exactly what you're referring to, page 194. I'm curious to find out what that is. So this is not funny. Our time is out. Faith, yeah, it's not funny at all. But it's one of the things where we've been warned. We've been forewarned for several years now. There's been a lot of people in the alternative media realm that have been prepping prepping, preparing for the day that there's a power shift. And with that power shift comes the realization that this part of the world here has been living excessively well at, on the backs of other countries that basically have been uh, supporting the quality of life we've had here. And so you factor in nothing is really made here. And so we consume everything and then we make, we send out debt and receive goods and services. So that's that model isn't sustainable for long and that even plays into the trade deal because we have two nations the u.s and china china's the population they're savers they don't consume in the same way we do their economy is not based upon consumption it's based upon production and so with a with a gpd gdp of six percent or whatever it has been for the last decade plus that's been because they've been exporting uh every single thing that we use every right like right now wherever you're watching me from look around and let me know what's not made in china near you is there anything near you that's not made in china or that region and so for the last 20 30 years that that has been the the way the system has operated so there there can be no fair trade deal when the system has become that way to where any adjustment of that will cause major issues for economies because China's heavily in debt because they're funding all this. They've been funding all this. And then the U.S., everyone's in debt over here because we've been consuming everything on credit cards. So not even using money. We've been charging everything. And that's why this is uh, unsustainable. So there, there can be no fair trade deal. This intellectual property rights and all the things that they're claiming are the primary indicators. Yeah, that's not really going to be sustainable for long so we can't go back to balancing trade to where we're they're buying more from us hell we don't produce anything of substance really and so even the the, the farm deal that's supposed to be you know phase one to my knowledge i recall seeing several articles where the asian region those billionaires they have purchased a good portion of the midwest when it comes to the farmland so Basically, what they're saying is we'll sign a deal with you that we'll buy more of our own products that we already own and you'll give us some type of credit or, you know what I'm saying? Like, so whatever it was, it's going to be in China's favor because basically at the end of the day, we need them because everything we have come from there. So we have to make it uh, something that would be lopsided. So as I mentioned earlier about how I think this is all just smoke and mirrors on the surface and the Shanghai Gold Futures to me, really lets me know that the U.S. has to give up a little bit more than they might want to acknowledge that they'll be willing to give up. And so by giving them access to the COMEX, which is the biggest manipulator of all commodities and everything else in the, on the planet, that seems very fitting that uh, the trade deal happened to break up the same day that they, I guess, launched their future. So we'll see with this trade deal being broken up or being slowed down now, whether or not we'll hear some uh, some delays in the gold high in the, in the Shanghai gold futures being done in the COMEX. 
And I would probably be willing to bet we won't hear nothing of that because it's full steam ahead for more of those paper manipulated future thingamajiggies. I said thingamajiggies. Anyway, <laughs> keep it moving. So anyway, appreciate that. Uh, what else we got here? Bread and circus. I like that one. It says boycott. We need to think, think, trick. Who? Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Guys, I'm not saying there's no value. I'm saying it's hard asset. Physical gold and silver is hard asset. Yeah, BA Dennison says, uh, do you own any crypto? BA, yes. I am a speculative investor in that particular sector. And so as if you had, didn't have a chance to watch my last video, Confessions of a Bitcoin Skeptic, I referenced that I am aware of the technology and there are a couple projects that I am interested in. And so I've been aware of, been aware of it for a while, but I've never once on this channel, to my knowledge, encouraged people to head in that direction because I think it's one of those things where it serves you best if you know what you're doing. And if you think you know what you're doing, you should then have confidence to put some crumbs in whatever you choose to put crumbs in uh, because of something you believe in, not because you're chasing a Lambo. You know what I'm saying? Like the whole Lambo concept is, I think, was really it's it's given this whole adoption narrative somewhat of a different spin because most people and answer I'm like, this this is a question to everyone that's watching I don't even know how many people is watching let me see how many people is watching this is an honest question to everyone that's watching I'm curious to find out your thoughts because I have a my I have a I can guess what I believe it is and so here's a question let me know in the chat what you think the answer is so here's a question out of everybody that's watching. It uh, looks like about 150 people or so. I appreciate you guys tuning in. If you've enjoyed the back and forth thus far, don't be afraid to donate a thumbs up. Please this video. But out of all the push for adoption, all the lingo, all the hype, all the media attention that's now being given to this particular sector, how many people, in your opinion, will go by uh, percentages? Out of all the people that are aware of the technology, how many people are in it for the benefit of humanity over the idea that they're in it to make a profit out of it, assuming that they're going to become rich and live happily ever after once it goes to the next astronomical price. So I don't know how to percentage that, but get by show of hands. So for those, okay, give me percentages. For those that are in it because they think it has pr productive capabilities to free humanity, or whatever, or they just want to get rich. Give me the give me the scenario. Is it 60, 40, 75, 25? Give me your give me give me your weight, you know, your measurements in the chat. And then I'll share with you mine, which I'm assuming you guys it would be hard to to uh to figure that out. But I'm curious to find out. And if there's any other categories I might have missed, feel free to let me know. Uh or ways of categorizing that betterly said better say it says outside of crypto trumps the risk Upside of crypto trumps the risk, Scotty. I can I can I can live with that. It says less than one percent. James say say five percent. Johnny Deep says both. It says Miguel says Bitcoin has limitations due to its core algorithm, due to the hash power not fully decentralized. Uh, yeah, that's that's some technical talk there, but just the the whole hash power and the fact you know one of my one of the biggest things that I mentioned in the last video was just the miners like actually knowing that there's geographical locations on this planet where there are people who have 
huge warehouses full of computer type things that mine and kind of keep this blockchain up and running is something that is, is a point of risk for a lot of for the for the technology because all that power consumption is on the grid so all power companies can see who's consuming the most power even like uh, I had um, Frank Holmes from uh, Hives blockchain on as a guest before and they're doing operations in Iceland and of course you know it's cheaper energy there but once again if there was a real need for governments or whatever to, to pinpoint locations for these type of setup and operations they're not hard to find because all you gotta do is check who's consuming the most power you know even they got a solar power they got all, all that type of technology but those are all just things and i threw them out there just to be a skeptic just to play hardball my question is how come no one is willing to play hardball with this technology how come everybody is that they're, they're they're more willing to promote the pros and they tend to stay away from the cons. That's my biggest thing. Let's just be transparent on both ends. Give people the good and the bad. Let them make a decision for themselves. And that's the whole idea behind me talking about those, you know, skeptic videos. Because it's all not, you know, peaches and cream moving forward. Because as I mentioned before, you know, as of now, the Federal Reserve note is your last little bit of, of semi-privacy. So, like this little piece of paper right here. Even though it's going to be hyperinflated and more than likely the next decade, you still have the opportunity to take this piece of paper and give it to somebody. And you don't have to wait for a proof of confirmation or nothing like that. You just say, here, take that. And it's in their possession. And then if you wanted to make it sure it's anonymous, all you got to do is just, you know, however you do what you do, just duck and hand somebody a dollar, and, you know, whatever. So I'm just having fun with it. But just having fun with this. That's all. And so somebody said, what are the cons? Omnibone, what are the cons? The cons, the ultimate con, the ultimate uh, negative aspect of blockchain technology, cryptocurrency to me is that it's not physical. It's a digital asset. Therefore, it's nothing that you can actually physically pick up and run with in a sense, apart from having your ledger and keys, whatever. But it's all dependent upon, as I mentioned, these gadgets right here. Like, you know, without one of these gadgets here, a phone, it's not much you can really do in a sense or or your computer. So you got to have some type of entry and exit point using these devices here. And these are all spy devices. These are surveillance. These are surveillance. These are ankle monitors that we hold in our hand. These are, you know, saying like, so it's nothing that's not really seen. Like one thing I question about with cell phones, if you can screenshot and record video on your, on your phone screen, don't you think that there's back doors that can do the same thing? So whenever you type in something, they can record every single thing that you're doing. So just something we're thinking about. But we got a caller. Hello, caller. What's your name? We calling for? Hey, what's going on, Mike? It's Kenny again. Kenny, how you doing, my friend? Florida. Yes, sir. How you doing? What's in your mind tonight? Hey, what's going on, man? So I just had a question. So um, during the last financial crisis, um, I'm just trying to figure out. Um, Alex, I heard you mentioned like hyperinflation in the next decade. Mm -hmm. Why didn't that happen with quantitative easing? And if they're going to do this whole repo market, sixty billion dollars a day mm -hmm. thing that they're doing now, yeah. Um, how like, how do we know that that's going to that's going to cause anything? Well, that's my first question. Mm -hmm. And then um, and then my second question was um, after um, initially 
back in 08, uh, the price of gold went down with the stock market. Mm-hmm. Could you explain? Could you explain why that went down in 08, yeah. and why why do we believe that that won't happen again? And I'll just listen. All right, fair enough. I appreciate that call, my friend. Thank you. No, no problem. Right. Yeah. All right, good. so two good questions, two good questions. So right here on the screen, let me see if this is on the screen. Can you guys see what I see? No, you can't see what I see yet. Let me pull this up. All right, so here's the Fed balance sheet. So when all that QE stuff, TARP, and all that extra stuff is brought to existence, it's shown right here. So this is the Fed's balance sheet. And so we see how, at, hell, where were you? We were about uh, 900, 800, $898 billion of um Total assets on the Federal Reserve balance sheet, not inc- that includes the actual paper that's in circulation. So once the crash happened, bam, first QE here, governments approved of the fact that they needed liquidity in the system. So we got QE1, QE2, QE3, then the bond then the bond program all the way, all the way up to this point, and then they start tapering. So all these funds right here um, are actually still in the Federal Reserve's possession. They're just... Uh, credited to the banks that have the issues accounts. And so it, it provided liquidity for the banks to actually have on reserve that makes that made them liquid again. Because at that point, nobody was trusting nobody. Every, everything was a complete scramble. Things were closing and collapsing. So banks were actually able to go in and purchase bad banks for pennies on a dollar and use small amounts of capital to where these funds here um, uh, were a part of the exchange for mortgage-backed securities, treasuries, all, all the assets that they, they, they purchased from the banks are re- reflected right here. And so this was a whole, you know, the idea of being able to tighten down and, and lessen the uh, the size of their balance sheet before the next run-up because it's ideal that it was hopeful that they can get down to somewhat moderate um, holdings on their own balance sheet before they had to add more. But as we see here with this little blip, that's nothing they could do. So they're going to be. This going to probably double and triple within the next two three years for sure. I believe. But this is just so that all the funds were still in the system. All this additional three point something trillion, it never made it outside of the debit credit system of the banks banking sector. So it it didn't result in any type of hyperinflation or inflation because it was contained. And so um, from that, there was no real panic or scare of in, of inflation because. The monetary base didn't move. The velocity of money lessened because people during times of crisis don't spend. And so to, to then answer your question about the gold prices of gold dropping. And so this is a great, uh, great, great question. So to my knowledge, what I've gathered is that when 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 margin calls are due, when people have debt that's due overnight and they need to get liquid, they tend to sell whatever they can get a hold of. And I would imagine that. People who are sitting on gold futures, especially in gold itself, physical gold, in order to get a little liquidity on a personal note, people start liquidating some of their holdings to pay off debt, to pay off this, or just to get cash to be able to buy some other things. So that was the reason why there was a price dip. But then once once, <laughs> once the people, the system knew that, hey, the Federal Reserve is going to respond with excessive counterfeiting in a sense of what's, what's currently happening right here with this balance sheet, that's when they're like, hey, they about to start printing. Let me get to safety. And shoot, that's when gold shot up to $1,900 and silver to $50 or whatever it was. And so that was a result of a panic. So it was a it was a, it was a crunch of need for liquidity amongst the retail investors and consumers. They sold off everything that they could move. And then once they realized what was going to be a result of monetary policy of them printing, 
they began buying. And so that led up to the spike. And then from that point on, the futures is what they really used to slam the price by selling thousands of dollars worth, millions of dollars and billions of ounces and paper contracts and stuff like that. So those are those two areas there. But this next go round, it's going to be hard to justify the repo activity of giving banks continuous easing and liquidity without the consumers getting some of that. So I believe that eventually the Federal Reserve will probably work along with the government to offer some type of infrastructure package of $10 billion, $10 trillion to build a roads, give jobs, or whatever, 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 which is going to be going to actually going to come out of the system and into the markets and whatnot and inflate up all the the Dow go to 60,000 house prices go to you know double what they are now so people have that 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 illusion uh that fake net worth experience of my house just doubled my portfolio tripled you know whatever else that comes with that artificial nature so that's what's occurring but i believe because now everything is a global contagion. There's no going back to a norm. The new norm will be monetary policy. So from this point on, inflation of balance sheets will continue. Therefore, eventually, it's going to have to spill out into the main economy. Therefore, that's when I can see prices really going up and the, the Fed getting the, what they've been calling for, which is we need probably a little bit more above 2% inflation to make up for all the inflation we haven't been able to receive or whatever. So... That's uh, my little two cents on that. But, uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's what it is, man. That's, that's to me, uh, considered real talk. So, But, people, it's been 45 minutes, and I could go on forever, but it is late, and the night is not over yet for me. So, with that being the case, I appreciate everybody hanging out with me. If you've enjoyed the back and forth, don't be afraid to donate a thumbs up by just hitting that button beneath this video, or if you didn't enjoy it, I'm not afraid of a thumbs down either. Whatever's comfortable for you. I just appreciate you donating in that capacity. So as always, for those that are interested, there's a lot of opportunities beneath this video in the description for you guys to take advantage of while things are relatively cheap. And then for those that are interested in supporting the channel on a consistent basis as a member, the Patreon is up there. And I would love your support there. It makes things a lot more easier on my part financially to be able to receive a couple Federal Reserve notes to help on the cost of running the operation such as this. So I have website expenditures and internet stuff, all that types of stuff. So uh, your help is always appreciated. But with that being the case, about to dial back. I appreciate everybody spending time with me tonight. Be blessed. Be safe. I'll see you later. Peace.